Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Perry from Ghost Hunters and Ghost Hunters International, and you are tuned into the Paranomaly Zone. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen. It does happen. A ghostly apparition in the dark of night. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, that's a Hey there, ponderers of the paranormal, you are in. The Paranomaly Zone, your place for all things paranormal, unexplained, odd, and mysterious, and of course, all of the good times in between. My name is Patrick Koffenberg. I am responsible for this hoot nanny of a podcast. Does that work? Hoot nanny. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host with the ghosts, the grammatically stubborn Mike Carbno. <laughs> grammatically stubborn and by grammatically stubborn i mean i wish you sh- you could have heard what mike and i were talking about before we uh, started recording tonight there's a certain word that mike insists should be allowed in the english language hey it works in my world <laughs> i guess i guess that's all that matters i i i, I suppose um my world is a topsy-turvy uh uh, something or other. See, I told you, grammatically stubborn. He can't even think of how to describe yeah. his own world. But no, the, wor- well, the word well, that you're looking the for. the listeners. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so if you're describing something that you have uh, in your hand <sighs> you're after gonna, walking out of a you're not gonna like store, it. You're not going to like putting this store. out there. You're not going to like putting this out there, Mike. Is Oh, well, hey, if everybody tells me I'm wrong, then... Then everybody tells me I'm wrong, and okay. hey, I probably know I'm wrong already. Yeah. But yeah, because I told you, you is it okay <laughs> to be wrong in this manner? I should say. Mm-hmm. Okay, you have your bags of whatever you bought <laughs> at the store, or that you have bought at the store. <laughs> I like to say boughten. I have boughten this. I have boughten a car before. I have bought many figurines and Funko Pops for my my podcast desk. I have bought this house and the TVs I have bought that I watch in it. I have bought the bed that I sleep in. I have bought the food in my fridge that I have eaten Lord. and have still yet to eat. Lord, make him stop. I have bought all of these things. Lord, please. <laughs> I cannot I have button the underwear that I wear under my pants that I have button. Lord, strike me down. I cannot <clears throat> handle this anymore. <laughs> Patrick's oh. turning different colors. <laughs> uh, um, no, Mike. Um, Patrick, I think you should have bought in different lighting. Your coloring isn't good. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. No, Mike, um, more power to you, man. God bless you. <laughs> I love you, man. I am never going to accept that word. 
Uh, That's okay. Because it isn't a word. So, yes, um, I, I agree. <laughs> okay. But that doesn't mean I'm going to stop using no, it. No, you're going to use it more <laughs> often now. I know you are. So Yes. Um, and it's just like when I have taken a walk. Oh, God um, damn it. You know, I have, you know, <laughs> uh, I have taken a piece of candy out of the candy bowl in my house that I have bought. You've, you've, made, <laughs> you've made your point. You've made your point. Um, hopefully, we still have listeners at this moment. Um <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah. Well, you know, it'd be great. Even if there's just one listener out there that says, well, I use the same word. Hey, let me know. Okay. And I shall give you a long distance hug. And maybe I'll send you something. I don't know. Something that I have bought. I was just going to say that, that I have yep. sitting on Thank my you. podcast. Desk. Not, not something that you, <laughs> not something that you had taken something that no. you had bought. Okay. No. I'd rather have bought something than just took in it. Oh my gosh. I am like getting the heebie jeebies just hearing that <laughs> over and over. I am, I am, I'm not enjoying it, but uh, hey, I shall persevere because this is the Paranomaly Zone. I almost called ourselves, yes. I almost called ourselves our old name. Boy, that was like, <laughs> I, I haven't done that for months. That's, that was weird. That kind of, kind of slipped out of me there. That was, that was unique. How many names have we gone through now? Uh, Has it been three? Three. Three official names, yes. Yeah. So. For some reason, I'm drawing a blank what the first one was. Nonsensicast Radio. Nonsensicast, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. So It's about time for a throwback to a Nonsensicast. Uh, uh, yeah, sure, maybe. Yeah, you betcha. Um, <laughs> well, I don't have an Ami right now, but we just recently had the pleasure of speaking with Ron Moorhead yes. uh, for the third time. One time for each podcast name, and I wanted to pull. Oh. I wanted to pull up the original plug that he put in for Nonsense Cast Radio because it's like that would be awesome. And Mike, remind me to pull that up before we wrap up tonight, okay? Sure. So um, yes. I will. I will forget. So if you can please try to remember, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. So um, hey, it's good to see you though, my friend. It's been a Sasquatch-filled month of podcast content. It has. Um, thank you everyone for tuning in to. Or like I said, our aforementioned chat with the awesome Ron Moorhead. And hopefully you have all listened to and enjoyed our Thursday night, this past Thursday night, chat with the She-Squatchers. Yeah, that, that was awesome. That I was enjoyed awesome. that immensely. Very, very cool. They are going to return, um, as I mentioned at the end of the podcast. Uh, we got, it, it ended abruptly. <laughs> and um, Yes. So I tried to make that as smooth of a transition as possible. But uh, they have agreed to return to the show. Because, hey, quite frankly, Mike, Right when the podcast shut down, I had just asked them the greatest question that has ever been asked in the history of mankind, and yes. they were about ready to um, blow us away, and everything yeah. shut off. So, <laughs> and I didn't get a chance to ask uh, my question. Oh, of the same question that I asked Ron Moorhead that he had a great answer for. Yeah, right, right. Good old Harry so, and Anderson. So, yeah, yes, <laughs> he liked it, especially the ending. Well, he did. He did. Yes, the ending of Harry and Hendersons. That is so. The whole movie was great. It was. It's entertaining. How can you go wrong with John Lithgow? So um, you can't. You just can't. R.I.P. to Kevin Peter Hall, and yeah, um, right. So I, I have fond memories of Harry and the Henderson, no doubt. But we're not talking about Harry and the Henderson tonight, Mike. We're talking about we have two pretty cool topics. Yes, we do. And I am not sure. We briefly talked about this before we started recording. I was like, have we? spoken about this have we discussed this one particular incident when we were the alternate route podcast i I think briefly i think briefly we did but we definitely didn't do um it wasn't like the main focus of an episode i don't believe 
Um, I don't know. I don't believe so. But we're talking about tonight the 1897 Aurora UFO incident slash Texas spaceman. Um, crazy stuff going on there. Uh, it's, yeah. it's been... It's, it's been, a mystery. It's a mystery. Over 120 years later, it's still a mystery, man. And that's what makes it fascinating because mm-hmm. it has not been debunked. There's a reason it has not been debunked. So I'm looking forward, yes. to, looking forward to diving into that. And then for one last take, Mike, what are we talking about? And he's staring at me blankly. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Easter Island. We Easter are going to discuss Island. a little bit and Absolutely. do a one last take on Easter Island. Yep, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, we're usually... Uh, rip roaring and ready to go when it comes to one last take and we're fired up and because uh, i've had more beer you're right and we're ready to uh, before the ending uh, fire away with our opinions our our hot takes and um i'm looking forward to that mike easter island has always been absolutely fascinating fascinating very fascinating there's a lot so, of uh different theories there's a lot of uh fascinating things about how things were done what happened and why the island has been uh, abandoned it's from the crazy. tribe that was living there. Pretty crazy, pretty crazy, but uh, very worthwhile of a paranomaly zone. One last take for sure, obviously. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's what every mystery in the world is aiming for: is to be di- is to be discussed on the paranomaly mm-hmm. zone, right? That's yeah. the reason God, whatever higher power you want to call it, put those mysteries out in front of us, just so we could break them all down, decimate them, or disseminate, I should say. And uh, discuss and all that. You good used stuff. a word the wrong way. I did. I loved it too. So <laughs> it, it felt good. It felt then good. I can use the word button. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> anyway. Um, and also, I did not use a word wrong. I used the wrong word. So, there well, you go. <laughs> hey, there. Gotcha. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> no, but yeah, it'll be interesting. It's a great subject matter. Um, and when we're done talking about it, it will continue to be a mystery we will shed no light on it whatsoever <laughs> um, good. thank you for pointing you that know. out thank you for pointing that out if if you are new to the paranomaly zone you will quickly come to the realization that neither mike or myself are experts by any stretch of the imagination uh we just we're fascinated by all things unknown unexplained odd and paranormal and we love talking about it and giving our two cents and so yeah. um we come up with a topic at the last minute, and for half an hour, we research it, and we just go nuts on the. That's absolutely right. The- <laughs> absolutely right, and you know what? It seems to be. It seems to be working. We we've, we've yeah. struck a chord with a with a, our listeners, and so we we can't thank them enough for uh, appreciating our gibberish. Because and when we have an episode that really doesn't go well, it's because right when we go to record time, we still have no idea what we're going to talk about. <laughs> well, and you know, that's a that's a little you know behind the scenes here, um, but. That a lot of times that's very true. We take topics that we are passionate about. We have a general knowledge of at the very least, and we're like, "Oh, Mike, we can banter back and forth about this." You know, we you know we we enjoy the topic. We're like I said, we're passionate about it. We can make a good discussion for about forty five an hour, hour you know forty five minutes to an hour. Sometimes, most of the times, it work. It works, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, those other ones. I guess yeah. I leave it up to listeners for, for them to decide. So right. Tonight, maybe one of those, but I don't think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'll ask you right off the bat, Mike. How long have you been familiar with the 1897 Texas Spaceman mm. story, the Aurora UFO 
incidents? I mean, is that something that you, that has always been on the top of your um, your 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 alien, alien s- feelers, so to speak? I would say. Oh boy. Late seventies, early eighties, I would say. Okay. Now, was that? How long have you? And and be brief, obviously, Mike. Um, how long have have aliens slash UFOs been of an utmost interest to you? Oh, geez. Our, as our listeners know, and new listeners will come to realize very quickly, Mike has lived a paranormal life. That's no joke. Um, I say that all the time because it's true. And because so, I am a ghost myself. Oh, you are. Well, that explains it. <laughs> Pasty white, at least. I was going to say, that explains why I can basically see through you at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you, you know, you've been a, a believer, a hardcore believer in the spiritual realm slash ghosts, whatever you want to call them. But you've also been utterly fascinated by aliens and UFOs for as long as Absolutely. I've known you. Um, yeah. What, what was it about it? Is it something that just well, struck you? Struck well, no, it's, it's, it's all things that I originally, um, most of it I've gotten from my father or, and other than that, my father's side of the family, it's just been in the family for generations. And um, as far as UFOs and aliens, uh, I remember, oh, Jesus was still in the 60s, late 60s, 60s. Um, and I don't remember, I can't tell right offhand when this book first came out. But I do remember my father having the, the book Chariots of the Gods, Eric Von Donigan. Right. You know, in the 60s. And, you know, that's when I was introduced to it. And uh, that was like the spark that got me going. Yep. You know, very young child, but uh, just, you know, that spark put into me my mind about it from that. And then as I grew older, um, learning more on my own and, uh, knowing what my father believed in and was passionate about or had interest in, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That just kept me going. And then it all exploded at one point and everything was all over the place. You know, and you were probably among what millions who were turned onto it by chariots of the God gods, you know, oh, yeah. the book. Absolutely. And I think actually um, I have found that book in my dad's belongings at uh no kidding. I've been stored in my basement since Ooh. he passed away. And, uh, um, yeah, that original book that, that got me going and that's cool. Pretty interesting. Yeah. It's something that's, that's, I've always been fascinated with myself. I can't put a particular date and time on or, or a particular moments, you know, it might've been very well, Mike, when I first started becoming obsessed with the television show, the X-Files. You know, that, oh, sure. That yeah. could have been, that literally could have been it. Yeah. Um, and back in those days, late 90s, well, mid to late 90s, when you started getting all those really interesting television programs hosted by Jonathan oh, yeah. Frakes, you know, oh, um, yeah. talking about the alien autopsy video and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And it's like, it was must see television for me. And yeah. I mean, if you believe that or not, and that's a whole nother topic altogether, yeah. that might have set me off down the uh, kind of obsession with, you know, is there or isn't there? Yeah. Actually, you, you know, know I'm, um, I'm you know, re- the entire. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm going to retract that. I think it was the Fire in the Sky movie about oh, the sure, Travis yeah. Walton abduction. That's yep. what set me off. That's right, because that was yeah. well, that was early '90s, mid '90s. When I'm, I don't remember exactly when, but yeah, 
how can you not be interested yeah. after watching that yeah when i uh, what what pushed me along with the alien thing too is a uh, um the uh movie uh uh <clears throat> with uh uh uh-oh. Uh-oh. Betty and Barney Hill. Oh, there you go. With James Earl yeah. Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James Earl Jones and Estelle. Uh, um, oh, no, Parsons. <laughs> Thank you for remembering. Yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome movie, and of course, James Earl Jones is awesome as he is in everything. Um, a belated happy birthday. A belated happy birthday to uh, the voice of Darth Vader himself, James Earl Jones. Mm-hmm. I think he turned a very young ninety-two. Last oh, I'm weeks sure, ago, yeah. 91 or 92, but many, many more to come for Mr. James Earl Jones. Mike, I like and every the- time I every time I watch Field of Dreams, I I tear up. Well, of course you do. Well, you're just you know you're you're always eating onions <laughs> for some reason when you're. I love it when Kevin Costner reminds him that you're a pacifist, <laughs> and he and James Earl Jones gets pissed. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love that movie though. Say, Mike, I'd like to start off our discussion of this incident, uh, dare I say infamous incident, by reading, oh, yeah. reading the uh, actual newspaper paper article that was published mm-hmm. on April 17th, 1897. So, you know, using my math, that's going on 125 years, correct? Long time ago. Long time that's ago. That's my math, a long time ago. <laughs> uh, the title of the article is A Windmill... A windmill demolishes it. Aurora, Wise County, Texas, April 17th. The article goes as such. About 6 o'clock this morning, it's a short little passage, so, so no worries. About 6 o'clock this morning, the early risers of Aurora were as- astonished at the sudden appearance of the airship, which has been sailing through the country. It was traveling due north, and much nearer the earth than ever before. Evidently, some of the machinery was out of order, for it was making a speed of only 10 or 12 miles an hour and gradually settling toward the earth. Now, like, I want to pause for a second. A couple things I want to point out there. Again, this was written immediately after this supposed event. Mm-hmm. How did this uh, reporter or whoever submitted the report, his name was S.E. Hayden, I believe. Let me see if I wrote it down right. S.E. Hayden, he was a cotton farmer. He submitted this report. Had there been prior reports across the country, Mike, of UFO sightings? Is that why he said the appearance of the airship, which has been sailing through the country? You know, I was going to say when you were reading that, that I believe it was. I think There was so a too. period of time that things were sighted. It was like, a, wasn't it described as like a Zeppelin type ship? Well, um, and the, this the drawings one, of it that you see, I think, I believe I've seen drawings that people have made of it that kind of looks like a Zeppelin with a carriage type area okay. underneath it. Okay. But I mean, that could have been just like an interpretation of what they were seeing. Of course. And it was more technical than, uh, than that. And that just, you know, thought it looked like a Zeppelin. The one that the description that I hear and have read most often about this particular space was that it was cigar shaped. Right. And that's something right. that we hear a lot about a most, lot of. Yeah, there's still uh, uh, sightings like that today. Um, and as the article goes on, it says it was traveling due north, as I said, much closer to the earth than before and making a speed of 10 to 12 miles an hour. Now, that's an interesting fact to me. That sticks out because that's something that is 
would be fresh in the memory of someone who had witnessed it. That's how I interpreted it. You know, exactly. um, I guess estimating a speed of 10 to 12. Now let's put this in our mind's eye right now. Let's think of this unidentified, um, brightly lit object, perhaps cigar shaped, perhaps saucer shaped that is hovering low to low to the ground, relatively low to the ground, going 10 Mm. to 12 miles an hour. You know, if that actually happened and witnesses were there, they had a chance to get a terrific view of right. this, whatever you want to call it. 10 to 12 miles an hour is not that fast, Mike. Um, did they use that term miles per hour at back then? That's what it says right here. Mm. 10 or 12 miles in, in clip, and yeah. it says 10 or 12 miles an hour. Doesn't say miles Okay, because I was hour. thinking of, it was traveling the speed of a slightly lame horse. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get to what you're saying. There. Which would have been a lot less than 10 to 12 miles an hour, I'm sure. Uh, the article goes on. It says it sailed directly over the public square, and when it reached the north part of town, it collided with the tower of Judge Proctor's windmill right. and went to pieces with a terrific explosion, scattering debris over several acres of ground, wrecking the windmill, and water tank and destroying the judge's flower garden. Now this is where it gets really interesting. Again, this is this was the report back in the day, April 17th, 1897. Mm-hmm. The pilot of the ship is supposed to have been the only one on board. And while his remains are badly disfigured, enough of the original has been picked up to show that he was not an inhabitant of this world. Right. And they gave it a Christian burial in their own they, cemetery. They did. Mr. TJ Weems, the United States signal service officer at this place and an authority on astronomy gives it as his opinion that this was a native of the planet Mars. Mars. Yes. It was always about and Mars, they, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, that's what, you know, what they would have been more familiarized with. <laughs> but, uh, well, when was War of the Worlds actually written? Oh, good Lord. You know, that, that, was, like, that, that was aired in the 1920s, I thought it was. Well, it? that was the radio production of it. Oh, when it was written. Okay. The, right. The book itself. Yeah. That, that I don't know, man. That I You know, because if that would have been written around that same time, that could have been like a the beginning of a hysteria of people oh my god yes. things but I, I i i can't say for sure because i do not know what year that book was written but um i don't either let's let's look it up let's answer that before the episode is over with sure yeah so you're you're going to remind me of two things mike mm-hmm. war of the worlds i'm writing it down uh wow war of the worlds date and ron yeah, moorhead and non- ron moorhead nonsense cast yeah. Then the article, the short little article ends as such. Well, there's three brief paragraphs yet. This is more interesting stuff, Mike. Papers found on this person or his person, evidently the record of his travels, are written in some unknown hieroglyphics and cannot be deciphered. The ship was too badly wrecked to form any conclusion as to its construction or motive power. It was built of an unknown metal resembling somewhat a mixture of aluminum and silver, and it must have weighed several tons. The town is full of people today who are viewing the wreck 
and gathering specimens of the strange metal from the debris, the pilot's funeral would take place at noon tomorrow. Yeah, and some of that wreckage was actually buried with the alien, and there was a lot of it that was put down the well of that was uh, on the judge's property that uh, right. the windmill was pumping water from. Absolutely, absolutely, and yeah. that is part of the mystery today because mm-hmm. some people claim, well. The property owners claim to have been physically affected by the water they're pumping from said well. That was actually, uh, um, the property was. Don't say it. My God, he almost said it. (laughs) He he almost said it. And he almost. The property was purchased by uh, another man. I can't remember what his name was. I had it written down, but um, uh, he actually had taken the material out of the well and he was going to use it as a water source yep and when he was using it as a water source he he had contracted a a, just a extreme case of arthritis that's right and he blamed it on the water that was tainted by yep material in the in the well that he'd taken out now i want to go back to the um the article briefly mike where it talks about the papers allegedly found on this on this being right now, that's the part that kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Okay. If this is of alien technology, and they are allegedly however many, I don't know, thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of years ahead of us, maybe, perhaps, in technology, why, what, are they do, what are they doing with paper and writing hieroglyphics on paper? Do you have thoughts about that, Mike? Were they meant as, were they meant to be mm. left to us as messages to us, since that's what we were using at that time? Paper, I mean, we still do, obviously. Was mm. you know, we're going to use this old antiquated, whatever this is, a thing called paper, just yeah. because these little human beings use this thing called paper. Maybe I don't know, but that's what kind yeah. of throws me off a little bit. Why would it have paper on it? It does, you know. And and what were these hieroglyphs? What were they written with? Like a like a stubby pencil that's been sharpened too much, <laughs> you know? Or or you know? And another thing I wonder, what you, when you're reading that, was the fact that they said uh, there is uh, um, papers that portrayed his travels, right? But how would they know it was about his travels when it was written in hieroglyphic mm. form? Well, I don't think it specifically said that they were, that they knew it was about his travels, oh. but they were just kind of maybe intimating that it was or, or okay. hint, hinting that that's what they were. That's how they interpreted them, I suppose. Okay. That's how I read it. Sure. Um, but again, the paper. <laughs> yeah. the, only, the only thing that's bringing me back to it as being legit, if we're going to talk about this being legit occurrence and we're going to talk about it being accepted fact that there was a being discovered and there was paper or paper-like substances discovered with it, my only way of comfortably accepting this is that they were using this as a form of communication or intending to use it as a form of a communication with us because that's how we communicated mm-hmm. at that time. So there, before they crashed, there was a intent to have contact with us? Maybe. That's yeah. perhaps. Perhaps. And, and who knows? I mean, like they said, I mean, I don't care how far advanced you are in technology, things are going to go wrong. Um, 
perhaps this craft literally was struggling. Mm-hmm. It did obviously it did not intend to crash into said wind windmill. Uh, oh, I, sure. I don't. Yeah, uh, it it it's, it gets bizarre, Mike. It gets even more bizarre. The idea it of does. these, you know, the residents of this town upon discovery of this crash, like we said, Mike, gave the creature being a Christian burial. And you know, do you remember mm-hmm. the off the top of your head what affectionate nickname they gave this mm. being? I think it was Monty. Uh, close. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is it is Ned. 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 Is what they decided to call old Ned, old Ned, old Ned, the the, the dead, the green dead guy. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's old. They they wrote a poem and they put it on his headstone. Sure, old Ned, old Ned, old he's Ned. dead, he's dead. Ah, <laughs> oh, Mike, and his eyes were red. Okay, I got it. Okay, and that's what I said. Yep, and I'm going to I'm going to um, stop you before you say token or botan anymore uh, in this first opening segment here, Mike. Okay. Um. We have a lot more to dive into here briefly. Let's take a quick time-traveling excursion, Mike. Uh, Yeah, let's fire away when we come back. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. All right, hold on, boys and girls. We shall be right back. And we are back after yet another successful time-traveling excursion. Okay, Mike, getting back to the topic at hand, I would like to point out that those Christian rites, that Christian burial was performed by a traveling pastor right. That's right. named William Russell Tabor. And it's interesting because the Aurora Cemetery contains a Texas Historical Commission marker men- mm-hmm. mentioning this incident. And if you're wondering what Texas Historical Commission is all about, it's an agency dedicated to historic preservation within the state of Texas. And so this was something that was, well obviously preserved and documented for prosperity uh, for whatever reasons. That's what some of the controversy is all about is exactly why was this made such a big deal. And as Mike mentioned, you know, some of the crash debris buried with the alleged body, some of it thrown down the well. And what adds to the mystery is the story of Mr. Brawley Oates. I love that name, by the way. Sounds like an yeah. old 1950s <laughs> actor. I'm Brawley Oates. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and Brawley Oates had purchased Judge Proctor's property around mm-hmm. 1937. And as Mike said, when Oates was cleaning out the debris from the well in order to use it as a water source, as Mike mentioned again, developed it, he developed an extremely severe case of arthritis, which he basically blamed on the contaminated water. As a result, uh, Oates sealed up the well with a concrete slab, slab and placed an outbuilding atop the slab. According to the writing on said slab, this was done in 1945. Now, this is where right. we get into the potential idea for this being all an elaborate hoax. Mm. Um, should, should we just dive into it before I ask you if you think it's a hoax, Mike? Uh, or do you want to throw out your opinion right now and then dive into the hoax talk. Hmm. Well, you know, there was a, a program that um, I can't remember what it was on, but uh, they had, I think it might've been ancient aliens, not ancient aliens, um, UFO hunters. 
Yes, with, it uh, was featured with with, a, with uh, uh, former guest on Nonsense Cast Radio, Aaron Ryder. Yes, absolutely. That's right. Um, but they had gone to where this uh, outbuilding was, where the slab over the well was, and they actually had gotten permission to take the slab off. And uh, um, I think they they removed the building from on top of it even it was just a small building and uh they took the slab off and there was a very old well beneath that and there was actually somebody that was lowered down into the well and the worst thing that they found in there was snakes like rattlesnakes that's still terrifying (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh they didn't find any debris did they Um, did they not now, correct me if I'm wrong. Was the water, did it not have like high contents of aluminum in it? And that was basically it. Right. I believe it did. It wasn't yeah. anything too extraordinarily out of place mm-hmm. or anything. Right. If I, I might correct me again if I'm wrong. Did the UFO Hunters program, the UFO Hunters crew, were they not allowed to do like a, um, gosh, what is it called? Not, they're able to do like thermal imaging, not thermal imaging. They took, what, why am I drawing a blank, Mike? They read the ground, essentially, and they supposedly discovered, oh, sure. like, uh, an unmarked grave that um, was too decimated to really truly identify anything from said grave. They were able... It, mm-hmm. it was almost like they had a giant metal detector going... Right, yeah. It was, yeah. Ground-penetrating radar. There you go. Radar. It was ground-penetrating radar. Okay, okay. Uh, I was thinking radar for some reason. That didn't sound right to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's good for like you know getting deeper readings and larger. Sure. And I thought that they carry cover larger areas. I thought that they supposedly, perhaps, maybe uncovered like yeah. a very large object of some sort. Um, I might be wrong. We'll have to uh, clarify that before we're done. Well, the uh, the mark or the um, at first I don't know at at one time when it was being investigated, there was a marker on the grave that was supposedly was the alien grave mm-hmm. and it had like a like a carving of a, a ufo type um yes a depiction of it yes and something else was written on there uh um and they wanted people want there whoever was investigating at that time they wanted to uh, uh get permission to dig it up and see if they could find out what was in there of course it was denied and uh after that incident um the headstone or the the marker was removed and there was like a three inch pipe that was driven down into the where this grave was Mm -hmm. for whatever reason i don't know and that's all that was there um and over the years it had been you know the location has been you know they can't find it they don't know where it is and i think that's when the they went with the ground penetrating radar Mm-hmm. And found what they thought might have been the grave, but uh, still no permission to dig it up or anything ex- like that. No, no permission to excavate, obviously. So, right. Yeah, and it, no, it, no, no permission to excrement or anything like nothing that. Nothing like that. Not in public, for sure. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> you cannot excrement this. No, please site. do not. Please do not. Uh, please be polite and respectful, alien or not. Um. Is it not said that 
the body, the alleged body, was dug up and moved to a different locale to prevent people from digging it up and basically I believe so, yeah. desecrating and destroying the cemetery. I mean, that's what is alleged. And I mm-hmm. think right now to this day, it's, it's still a hotbed for tourists flying through there, which is oh, a part, part of the hoax that we might be, part of the reasoning behind an alleged hoax here mm-hmm. that we'll get into in a second. Uh, but there's a, there's a large stone there next to a crucifix uh, that supposedly marks the original burial spot of the body, mm-hmm. whatever body it was. Mike, I found, instead of going on and reading some things here, I want to share an audio clip that I had, I had found when doing a little prep for the show. And I mentioned this before we started recording. It's about a five-minute clip. It's from an old show called Real People. And you that said you, you remember that show. Oh, absolutely. I used to watch it all the time. Now, what was Real People all about? Briefly, what was that all about? Was it about odd well, stories, they, essentially? Well, human interest stories, I think, and things like that. Human it didn't interest. have to be anything odd or okay. paranormal. It was just uh, a little bit of everything, okay. I believe. And this was, it's, it looked and sounded to me like it was late 70s or so when that was recorded. Is yeah. that correct? Or maybe 80s? Early yes. 80s? Well, probably when you were still pooping your diaper. It was uh, on. When I was excrementing in my diaper? Yes, you were excrementing <laughs> your diapers. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I you were digging that. in your diapers. Oh, yeah. And then, my, <laughs> then my mother would excavate the diapers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Patrick, the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, the um, uh, yeah, just don't even, say, go don't even say anything, just stop, stop right now. Um, yeah, if you don't mind, Mike, I'd like to play that clip for you. It's pretty interesting. I think it is from like 1980, 1980. Yeah, um, I'll maybe pause it every now and then and talk about what, we, what we've been listening to. Well, without any further ado, I shall just play it. Okay, sound like a plan. Mm-hmm. All right, and Mike, please notify me immediately if you cannot hear it properly. Okay, okay. So Got it. I am pressing play. When it and, comes to finding oh, a job, we don't want to hear this guy. That, that's a commercial. Did you hear the commercial? <laughs> uh, let's see here. Now we, we, I'm sorry. We have to waste a couple seconds here. La, 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 la. And now here is said show. Last second of the commercial. The sorry about that, boys and right. girls. We're professionals here. Here we go. Real people. If you're going to break down, you're going to break down in the middle of nowhere. You know, I'm not the only stranger this ever happened to. One day long ago, another stranger broke down here. It was April 19th, 1890. Okay, Mike, can you hear that? Mike? I can. Okay, perfect. The only difference is he never lived to tell about it. A local news reporter gave the story to the Dallas Morning News, and it's been in and out of print ever since. Jim Mars of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Well, the newspaper clipping simply said that a cigar-shaped object, brightly illuminated, floated over head in the early morning hours and crashed on the hillside. And then in the story, it said the pilot of the craft, comma, which was not of this earth, comma, was given a Christian burial in Aurora Cemetery. But one resident of Aurora since 1920, Miss Etta Pegas, considered an expert on the town's history, disagrees. I never heard of the spaceman. I moved to Aurora in 1920, and not one word did anybody ever mention about it. However, an eyewitness, 86-year-old Charlie Stevens, claims when he was seven in 1897, he saw the crash. 
Now this is this is the part I was mentioning earlier, Mike. I'm gonna have I've to. I've never heard about <laughs> the crash. I've never seen nothing about that crash. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, that was a good impersonation. Um, this is Charlie Stevens here, and in a, in a short while, you will hear him talking, and I will have to probably. Well, I'm just going to tell you what he says because there are um, subtitles here because he's kind of difficult to understand. He's he's 86 at this point, and he's apparently in ill health. Um, but he claims that he saw this actually happen when he was seven years old back in 1897. And so he did not want to appear on camera for real people, but he did agree to take some questions and have um, audio recorded. So there's a setup there. So here we go. We don't want to trouble you too much about this because we know you're not feeling too well. Because of the years of harassment, he refused to appear on camera, but he did agree to talk to us. I think you could tell me what you remember about the night that the light went over the house? There's been more papers, more told. He says there's been more papers, more talk about that. About that. But I think it was my own eyes. He says, I've seen it with, I seen it with my own eyes. It fell. We went right up there and seen the spot where it burned. Some people think it's a hoax. And he goes, well, it fell. To me, I mean, this man does, Mike, he's elderly. He's not feeling well. Why would he still be lying about this at right. this point? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm going by, I think you and I both have kind of gut instincts when it comes to, you know, calling out BS when we see it. You know, some people sure. listening to us right now might be laughing our asses off when <laughs> when they hear me say that. But in all sincerity, what does that gentleman have to gain right now? He's not even appearing on their t- television program. Mm. And he's saying, I'm telling you, I saw it. I saw this. I saw it fall. We went up there. We saw the spot where it was burning. I mean, that's obviously, no pun intended, burned into his memory. Yeah. Why, why would he lie? Do you have a reason why he would lie still? No, there. Yeah, I can't imagine any reason. Okay. Uh, well, continuing here. It fell. It wouldn't be until the late 60s that the International UFO Bureau would uncover the story. Hayden Hughes, director of IUFOB. This is one of the controversial aspects of the incident. Were the news accounts at the time genuine? Tell me the truth. What do you think? Is there anything here? In 1973, when I came here first, there there was at least a partial headstone here. I'll show you what I saw. And he's sketching on the ground in the dirt here. Tombstone, which went something like this. And on this was a very curious mark that went something like this. This was just a rock that had been hand uh, hewed, and, and uh, this had been chipped out of it with some kind of chisel or something. But as you can see, it's just a curious little object. But I think we could see if there was the other half was on here, we'd have what appeared to be a tombstone. And Now, Mike, Mike and listeners, because Mike cannot see this right now, uh, this gentleman. He was the current um, Historical Preservation Society gentleman, I believe, um, who's drawing this in the ground, literally drawing this with a stick in the ground right now. If you're familiar with the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, I think you are, Mike. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Like when Indy finds the busted part of the knight's shield. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he 
takes like the you know it takes the the paper the crayon whatever and he copies it and he does yep. the inscription. Well, that's kind of what he, this gentleman is, is suggesting. He says when he first saw the tombstone, there was half of it. There was half of a tombstone with half of a marker on it. But if you duplicated that half and you kind of just flipped it over mm-hmm. and doubled it, it would take the shape of like he said, kind of a saucer with a well a, the the inscription on it that was chiseled out would take the shape of a flying saucer. That's what he's basically suggesting mm-hmm. there. I just wanted to make that kind of clear. Hope that helps a little bit. So uh, yeah. continuing. And if you mm. brought this mark to this side, you would have something like this, which gives you a definite saucer shape. What do you think this is? I think about? it's just a piece of fiction. It keeps Wise County on the map. That's all I can say. <laughs> Keeping Wise County on the map is the reason Miss Etta and many others believe the Spaceman story was written. Now, this is important. This is the part of where it starts getting into the, this is all an elaborate hoax, started by Mr. S.E. S.E. Hayden, who was a cotton farmer. At this time, um, Wise County, the city of Aurora, was really, really struggling. People had been leaving the town in droves due to several reasons, and they'll mention them here in this little clip, and it's strongly suggested that this is a elaborate hoax to bring people back to the town to get business rolling again. From what she told me, the gay 90s had not been kind to the little town of Aurora. They'd lost cotton to the boll weevil, half the business district in a fire, and hundreds of citizens to spotted fever. People left the town in droves. In those days, even a Martian wouldn't be caught dead in Aurora. The general consensus of opinion is that he uh, wrote this story to bring people back in, into the uh, community. See, it, that spotted fever caused a veritable stampede out of the town. Well, we were not dealing just with one case. All over, people were reporting something, and one of these somethings appears to have crashed. The crash site today is owned by Mrs. Brawley Oates, who gets calls in the middle of the night and thousands of visitors at her door. Uh, there sure has been a lot of them here. <laughs> uh, the thing about it, they just press me for what's happened here, and I, if there's anything happened here, I don't know about it. See. So, um, your thoughts so far, Mike? I mean, the, the little short clip is almost over with. We probably could just wrap it up. Well, no, I do. I do want to play a, a one final clip from that sure. before we do wrap it up. But um, again, I'm I'm repeating myself. But the gal that they're talking to, that Ella Pegas, she's obviously a a, a skeptic, and she, mm-hmm. she, I I correct myself. I stand corrected. She was the one who was the histori- the town historian, and she claims that when she moved there back in 1920, she hadn't heard anything about any Texas spaceman, as she said, and she's she's sticking to the story that it was all an elaborate hoax for you know to. To save a dying town, what do you think? Do you think that that's she, she's a town historian? Historian, yes, she yeah. was. Um, do you think that that's basically what this was all about, Mike? Simply made up to no, save I don't. the town. I, I believe there is some. Well, of course, you know, I like to believe in the the, right. the paranormal and the 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 uh, great story and everything. But <clears throat> um, going back that far and having the eyewitnesses, like having this this older man that. Charlie witnessed Stevens. it. Yeah. Yep. You know, um, town historians, I don't always put a lot of faith in because there is a town historian in the town that I live in 
And she does not believe that my house is the oldest house in town. No kidding. Is. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what's that say about her then? It's like, come on. No, she, she, uh, um, she thinks this, this house across the street is the oldest one, but <laughs> you know, my house was built here before the town was here. So, <laughs> so, so you're, but you're, you're definitely of, of the ilk where you're like, well, just because you have the title of town historian does not mean that yeah, you're right. Doesn't, it's, yeah. It doesn't mean, always mean everything. But, and I'm not putting down town historians. Oh, of course you aren't. You know. I know, I know you aren't. We all know you aren't doing that, Mike. No, um, no. I, I, I just, I appreciate the fact that there are town historians that take oh, that, 100%. have that passion to, uh, you know, the history and everything. Yeah, that means a lot, but so, well, yeah. let's, but let's, I think there's something to the story. Let's wrap this up, this audio clip and um, we'll go sure. from there. My grandkids went out there with a screen off one of my screen doors and they sifted sand out there and they found a little particles of metal. Lead looking metal, but it wasn't lead. Another clue. That was interesting. Um, the owner of the, uh, at the time of this recording said that her grandsons were out there sifting through the sand doing whatever and when they were doing that they came across lots of particles of metal. Um, and she said it looked like lead, mm. but it wasn't lead. Um, mm. so what could that be? Um, as the, as the host here just said, he's melted he's, debris, melted debris. Mm, you never know. More questions. I know one thing. You don't never die down. Just on and on. It's just like a mushroom. It just gets bigger and bigger and it just goes further and further all over the world. One man who has tried to keep the story from spreading any further is the sheriff of Aurora. Armed with a shotgun, he spent 24 hours a day guarding the graves in the cemetery from treasure hunters and curiosity seekers. And That's interesting because he's catching this guy filling up his gas tank here, and he starts asking him questions, and the sheriff like basically tells him nothing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that's why you hear. I don't know if this was a. Uh, it definitely wasn't recorded in front of a live audience, but did they have laugh tracks on this show, Mike? Because when I was watching this clip, I heard people like giggling. In, in the background. They very well could have back then. Um, okay. Yeah, most likely. Okay. but Because if you hear that, um, if our listeners hear that, it's, I just wanted to point that out, that I don't know what it's from. I, I, I'm not familiar with the program, so. Yeah. Because they had different levels of stories on there and different sure everything you know that they would have used laugh tracks on it which they used a lot of back then sure of course they did you know, yeah yeah laugh track so but i i wrote that down though i wrote this down mike when i first listened to this because i got that vibe right away i was like oh god i wrote down mocking tone um right and i got and that. there was a lot of comedy things on this show too okay okay so i'm not necessarily so suggesting that this clip itself was totally mocking this mystery <laughs> but you can hear if this is a legit crowd reaction of some sort pre-recorded or not that just kind of tells you how you know the mindset of most people where they just giggle yeah. and they mock and they're like going oh my gosh these buffoons they actually think there's yeah. something to this and, yeah and i think they actually for that show they had different well they had a lot of different people that were hosting that show okay and they would have different people for different storylines but like i think this one was bill rafferty that uh that did this one, you know, Sarah Purcell, ever heard of her? Uh, no, no. I'm she not was on there. Skip Stevenson. This one says, John Bart this one says, Skip Stevenson. This one says George Schlatter. Is that any okay. host? I'm not sure who that is. No. 
John Barber, <clears throat> Byron Allen. Have you heard of him? Oh, I know Byron Allen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bill Rafferty, young Peter Billingsley. He oh, was. Oh, uh, no kidding. One of the people on there, Mark Russell. Interesting. Um, and last but not least, in by any means, Fred Willard was one of the hosts oh, on the show. R.I.P. Fred Willard, one of my favorites. Yeah. So. So this ending up ending this clip here, he's asking the sheriff a couple of questions and the sheriff basically doesn't answer him at all. And then you, you, you kind of hear the host make a joke and then the crowd, you hear laughter, but then we go on because I want you to hear a couple things that Miss Ella Pegas says at the very end. Return. All he got was an ulcer. Were you the one that, oh, you're the guy. While I gassed up, we had a few words. Yeah. You were up here with a shotgun. Very few. Do a lot of the town people here believe that there's a UFO up there? A lot of them in London. <laughs> fair. And here's Charlie again. And he says, it fell. And when they're telling you it didn't fall, they're telling you a lie. And now we're talking to Ella Pegas here. What do you think? Do you think they should get down here and dig it up and settle it once and for all? No. If we can very interesting, just won't. that short little reply by her because can you know he asked, Can we dig it up and settle it all? And she's the skeptic, she's a town historian, and she says, No, uh, why not? She's willing to perpetuate this hoax that she thinks it is, mm -hmm. right? That's right. how I'm well because Aurora, Texas has become another Roswell, New Mexico, yeah. So it's like, so she's going, she's she's. <sighs> I I don't want to say a hypocrite, but she's she's trying to have it both ways. She's like, mm -hmm. this is bullshit, but I still want us to pretend that it isn't bullshit, so we can keep you know the tourists coming in, basically. Right, and yeah, they have festivals now and everything, and yeah. and just like I said, it's another Roswell. See, that 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 rubs me the wrong way, Mike. And I don't want to go on very long about that, but talk about insincerity and just you're. You're so adamant about what you do not believe, but yet you're willing to make a buck off of it. Right. I don't like that. I, I did, yeah. That just rubs me the wrong way. I mean, more, yeah. I guess, I, I don't know Ella Pages. I mean, I'm, I'm sure she passed away several years ago. Um, she's She looks quite elderly here back in 1980, 1970s, whatever it was. You know, God, 79 to 84, I think, is when okay. uh, the show was on. You know, so, you know, God rest her soul. I'm not ripping on her at all, but man, she wanted it both ways for sure. All right. Continuing the clip and we shall, I'll just play the remainder of it. Okay. Sure. Find the exact grave and get the permission from the Aurora Cemetery Association to actually exhume bodies for evidence that we could have the evidence of extraterrestrial visitation. Mr. Nobles, you represent the Aurora Cemetery Association. What's their position in this matter? They have a, a very uh, uh, definite objection to anybody going down there with pick and shovel and wanting to dig a hole. Why? Well, they're afraid somebody will dig up Grandma. They are afraid, and I would be too, that there'd be a germ lurking there if they dug up somebody that died with that spotted fever. And get the thing started again okay that part i i wanted to play that just because it's so ridiculous yeah she's claims that the reason they don't want to dig people up or ex exhume it is because too many people fear that the spotted fever germ 
would still be buried with that body and it will just start the whole endemic, whatever you want to call it, of spotted mm. fever again. It's it's beyond ridiculous as a as a yeah. as a reason. So um but that was her reason. <sighs> well, you know, <laughs> It just answers are pulling out of their old ass. <laughs> <laughs> there you, you said it, man. You said it. So, um, here, let me give you this answer. <laughs> <laughs> I got an answer for that. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're still afraid of the spotted fever. I mean, my gosh, Get the spotted fever. I'll do... <laughs> if that was, if that was literally possible, Every time we exhumed anybody, or you know, right. I understand, there's always precautions taken. There's the utmost precautions taken. Expect you know when when people are digging up, you know, uh, um, mummies, you know, exhuming mummies. Oh my God, that mummy got the typhus. It's just, I mean, close that up. Right, the mummy got the typhus. It's it's just beyond ridiculous to me. So, um, well, I think we've covered this quite a bit, Mike. We want to make sure we have time for our one last take on Easter Island. So right. what, what do you think, though? So overall, what are your thoughts on the Aurora UFO incident slash the Texas Spaceman? Um, well, legit? Is it possible? Um, your thoughts? It's possibly legit. I mean, there's a mystery there, um, and there's, there's eyewitnesses that swear to it. There's people that, you know that say that it didn't happen that, you know, who knows what grounds they go by. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's, I, I would like to believe that something happened, uh, but over that amount of time, things, things can be, you know, exaggerated, you know, blown out of proportion, you know, I don't know, who knows, it could have been a, a rogue um, uh, bird that was, some big bird that fell and <laughs> you know, who knows <laughs> there's a pelican flying over and it crashed there, there you go no mike that adds to the mystery it was actually the thunderbird that's actually what yeah, there was, you go right? so um well that would make it interesting too you know i guess hmm. this one is a tough one for me and yeah it's i i am definitely open to the idea of it being legit and not of this world I really, mm -hmm. I really am. I do also get the, the cynical point of view, the skeptical point of view that it was just all made up just to bring people around, you know, back to town because the town was dying. People were deserting it by, you know, in mass. They were taken off, and right. they're trying to, trying to keep it alive. That was because alive. of the typhus. You know, would you back? I, I, you know, again, a hundred. You know, enough with the typhus. Okay, I, I get. It. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Would there not be a better story to make up to get people coming back to town? I don't know. I mean, that's. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, and, if, if, and if this did come from 1898, who would come up with a story of a, of a, a flying something from another world? Well, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of a stretch where that, you know, how many people back then would have come up with that idea? Well, like you said, I'm going to look that up right now. If the, something didn't happen, when was the war the uh, right. war of the worlds written? Because, like you said, Mike, that might very well be the answer right there. How they would get uh, get the idea? Because <clears throat> I, I I'm familiar with only the radio broadcast, and it was it says here 
my gosh, Mike. The War of the Worlds, science fiction novel by English author H.G. Wells. Right, first, H.G. Wells. First serialized in 1897. There you go. Quinky dink or hmm. not. Interesting. And you know, at the end of the book, when the uh, when the aliens, uh, what what their downfall was, what what uh, saved the Earth? Um, is this going to be a joke, or you'd be? No, it's I, no, it's no. I'm being honest. Okay, tell me. Um, what saved the Earth was when uh, they were not the aliens were not uh, used to any of the bacteria or or diseases that were from this planet. Okay. So it was even like the common cold that that they got and it destroyed wiped them, them out. And they and wiped them out. Makes sense. Yes. And it, or well, god, it wasn't a cold. It was uh the typhus. <laughs> it was the typhus. <laughs> this is no, what, yeah. Yep, something when, very common. This was Mike when he found out he had the typhus. <laughs> ah, um so, I mean, we were saying again, you know, why of all stories to make up to get people to come back to town, you know, the move back. Why won't they say, hey, why won't they suggest gold rush? You know, just, you know, there's sure. there's gold in them thar hills. You know, trust us. That, you know, we've stumbled across literally mountains and mountains. Well, not mountains, but you know what well, I'm saying it, here. Then if people would have came. Because of that, mm-hmm. they're damn well better be gold there for them to find. Otherwise, I get, it's a I get it, story but, just just dies. I get it, but they'd still they'd still they still would have came there. You know what? What? Yeah, you know, but people they are coming left there pretty quick when they found out that there was no gold. But why would they come there? And why would they stay if they're coming to, to see a, a alien burial ground? I mean, there's not there's no proof that it's there either. I mean, they, right, there's no right, proof right. that's an alien. So sure, they'd, they'd travel to see the alien burial ground. No proof. Then they'd leave. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, mm, yeah. I don't, You're I don't right. get it. Um, I don't get it either. I'm open minded to it. I don't know, Mike. Uh, I need to do more research into it. Like, like you said, I believe there was, as mentioned in that newspaper article, article, I believe there was other supposed UFO sightings across the country. So maybe right. this S.E. Hayden was kind of building upon that momentum. Maybe he had just read. You know, H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, mm-hmm. and maybe he's like, you know what, let's just do it. Let's go for it. Maybe yeah. it is just a big, giant, elaborate hoax. But then again, when town historians think that they're going to re-aggravate spotted fever by digging up bodies over 100 years old, I guess I don't know what I think about that. Yeah. But um, hey, maybe it's possible. I don't, I didn't, mm. think, I didn't think it was. It, I, begin, I, it, it I'm, continues. I'm straddling the fence on this one. I'm straddling right. the fence. Yeah. You just you're straddling the fence, and you better hope it's not barbed wire. Right, very much so, very much so. But we are not going to straddle the fence when it comes to our one last take. Absolutely, we have some great stuff lined up for you. Basically, us riffing and riffing and having fun about one of the ultimate mysteries and ultimate places of destination. I would, oh, I couldn't imagine being able to visit Easter Island, Mike. Oh, it'd be fantastic. But uh, let's take another time traveling excursion. Uh, hold on, boys and girls. It We're was gonna. The <laughs> There, Sorry. There, there's the title for this episode. It was the typhus. <laughs> <laughs> All yes, right. <laughs> we, we shall return with some awesome, awesome uh, last take. On Easter Island. Hold on, boys and girls. We shall return. Yeah.
And we are back from yet another successful time-traveling excursion. That was a pretty long time-traveling excursion, Mike. We discussed artwork. It was pretty fun. Um, we did. <laughs> One of your most, uh, well, you your most recent work yeah, of art. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate Mike's opinion because Mike himself is a very talented artist and I needed some feedback. And so in between dimensions, we were talking about some work and uh, we'll see how that turns out. I appreciate and respect Mike's words. Mike, well, Easter Island, my friend, yes. talk about something that has been on our radar forever, our proverbial podcast radar forever. And we have never really talked about Easter Island ever before. Yeah, it's like every once in a while, one of us will bring it up and then and then it's just yeah. kind of dropped and fades away and... And again, this is but something it's perfect for it. Yeah, it is very perfect. Very perfect for one last take uh, perfect right. for for the paranomaly zone. And I asked you in the prior segments, you know, how long you've been absolutely passionate about, you know, all things alien related, Mike. To me, this seems like something that may have been first put on your radar via like an in search of television show hosted yeah. by Leonard Nimoy or something. Sure. Like that. Yeah, very much so. Um, am I kind of correct? OK, OK, kind of correct, I guess. But raw off the top of your head mike before we kind of dive into into some specifics the first thing you think of when you think of easter island go i mean i'm putting you on the spot your what what is your um initial thought <clears throat> reaction well, i'm gonna i'm my honest answer that what first came into my head yes rabbits laying eggs no, I swear to God, I'm not joking. That's what first popped into my head. I got it. <laughs> At this very moment, anyway. Okay. <laughs> God, it's crazy. But God. When chicks it, and when it comes, Kayla lilies and. You okay? You, you ready? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I know that this is something that you, you are. Well, is it is it too strong of a word to say you're passionate about it, or is it? Well, it's a great interest and has been for many, many years. But there you um, go. There you, go. The, you know, the thing that comes to mind about it is the mystery of, uh, um, you know, there was uh, this tribe that lived there for I don't know how long when they first were there, and then all of a sudden they're gone. I mean, it, uh, you know, it's just like all the population just left the island. According to this, Mike, now I'm pulling out my trusty Ancient Aliens book. Yes. As Mike can see it right now. Very pretty. Which which should be autographed by Giorgio Tsoukalos. Wouldn't that be nice? I yes. Like that. Who we need to get on the show. I know. I've tried. I've contacted. I've reached out to both him and his people. Um, yeah. Haven't heard anything back. Um, yeah. But that, you know, I'm telling you, that happens. That's how it goes. You have right. to do it consistently. Mm -hmm. over and over and over and sometimes it takes years well got your uh little toenail in the uh, doorway of uh don't say toenails don't say toenails not zach bagans yeah what yeah you you uh you were in touch with one of his one of his uh well one of the people from the travel channel oh yeah well yeah sure you, sure 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 and yes, you yes. uh put that word in but Tra but we have the big toenail the big toenail in the door for uh Bob Gimlin. Oh my gosh. And yeah, and we usually don't do this because I feel like we we could possibly be, be cursing ourselves. Yeah. But Bob Gimlin is literally one of our holy grail guests. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And 
all I'm going to say, just so we're not cursing it either way, we have, like Mike said, our big, gross yellow toe in the doornail. <laughs> in, the, in the door. Thick in, yellow toenail. The, 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 <laughs> it was little cracks going down yeah. to the... Yeah, and, and I just I just said like doornail, but I meant our th- our our big dirty thumb in the door, crack whatever the hell you want to call it, possibly to have Mister Bob Gimlin. Yes, that Bob Gim- Gimlin, the man involved in the most famous Bigfoot footage ever recorded, the Patterson Gimlin yes, film, the Bigfoot with the pendulous breasts. And yes, and um, that's, I mean, Bob is he's still. He's still doing the circuit. He still goes to Bigfoot conferences, and he's in his 90s. And my God, I would love to talk. You would love to talk to him, Mike. And it would be a pleasure for, not only would would it be a pleasure for us, an honor for us, but we know the listeners would love that one. Yeah, even if it was a 15-minute episode. Oh, my God, it'd be worth it. it. Yeah. Okay, Mike, um, reading from my, my trusty Ancient Aliens official companion book here. And I'll 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 go through throw the uh, gosh I can't talk all of a sudden I'll go through this as fast as I can. Says as such, and I read Jacob Rogavine Rogavine was a Dutch explorer who set out on an expedition in 1721 to find Terra Australis in the South Pacific, but instead found the remote and mysterious Easter Island and its giant Mike. How do you pronounce it? Why? Moai. That's why I thought as well. I was going to say, like, I won't say what I was going to say. <laughs> Easter Island and its giant Moai statues. Moai. When the Ragavin arrived on Easter Island, he encountered two tribes. One tribe had long red hair. The other had short hair. Now, it was said that the two tribes had worked together to build the Moai but that the short-haired people labored under the commands of the long-haired people. Later, there was a revolt, and the short-haired tribe basically massacred the long-haired tribe. Very few of the long-haired people survived. The disappearance of the long-haired people also meant the loss of evidence as to what really happened in the past on Easter Island and about how the Moai came into being. The side story that did survive tells us that the statues of Easter Island were erected for very specific reasons and that they, quote-unquote, walked into place from the mm-hmm. quarry from the quarry near the volcano where they were cut. Interesting. Um, that's one of the little side notes here that want to make sure that you read that quote correctly, that they walked right. to their supposed destined they walked in- location. Single file singing, Omoio, Moio, Moio. And when you said that, I think of the, I thought of the the movie Stripes. You know, there she was just a walking down oh. the street singing. Do nah. they, they weren't singing that song. Okay, sorry. No one Mo-io. gets. No one gets that. Joke. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Mike, I'm done. Mike, you need to record that and make that your new ringtone. Every time your phone <laughs> there rings, we go. all you hear is more. <laughs> now, it says, on occasion, the statues selected their own paths. Mike, choosing where they were going to go instead of letting humans dictate where they were going to go. And it says here that makes a very, very interesting story. 
saying that humankind was doing something artistically very beautiful. We go to Easter Island just to see these statues and are in awe of them. But that doesn't, or that really isn't what a human endeavor is all about. It's saying there was definitely, what it's suggesting is that there was a divine component to the placement of these statues, Mike. Um, before we move on, I before I bumble through these readings anymore, your thoughts on the possibility that there was a divine intervention going on here with the placement of these statues, the walking, mm. were they floating? Were they flying? Were they moving themselves? Were they living beings themselves? Was it something that God simply did? Was it alien-related, Mike? Um, this is one hot take, one last take. You're free to say whatever the wow. hell you want. Yeah, it is. Uh, <sighs> uh, boy. Ooh, I like it when Mike's thinking <laughs> like that. <I> can... <laughs> Maybe they were living creatures, flesh and blood, and they walked to where they wanted to be. Then they were buried up to their neck like dads on a beach with their kids um yo mike it's so it's said that there are full bodies of these statues exactly under the sediment under yeah, the soil. they have been they have been excavated some of them have been excavated and there are bodies arms limbs everything uh yeah underneath the 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 ground um do you think that these are guardians of some sort protecting the volcano? Because it seems like well, they're strategically, one of the strategically placed around yeah. this volcano. It's like they're, well, they could be guarding the entire island and looking out across the sea True. for anybody that's, uh, any marauders or anybody that's in coming to invade the island. You know, they can see for miles out protecting the island. I don't know. Um, now, if that was the case... What is the what is it about this island that makes it so special? Hmm. What pops into your mind? Is there something divine about the island itself? Is it some sort of communication uh, device between us hmm. and interstellar beings? Um, is the energy there just unique compared to other locales on this planet? I mean, again, Mike, we're riffing. Could they be like uh, markers for ley lines that? Uh great one that yes. are all over the all over the planet um uh you know they, they they have to be something huge i mean you know besides literally you know huge um you know for a tribe on an island of such a remote island um if they actually are the ones that carve these things the extreme manpower and labor and and uh time that it would take for each one and the time it would take to move each one from the quarry where they were cut to the edge of the water i mean you know that's that, that's got to be more than just some religious belief that these people are making these or as a tribute to something there's just too much to it you know there's too much extensive work done you know from start to finish you know what was it that made it so important for these things to be made so big and you know quarried from so far away and and transferred to where they are mm -hmm. it just it just seems too big of a thing for like just one tribe of people 
to 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 do. Do you equate this? Do you find this on the same level as like the pyramids of Giza, Mike? Do you find it as far as like as far as like a, an architectural achievement? Not even architectural, oh. but the sort of you know just just being able to do it. You know, absolutely. I mean. You know, well, think about in Egypt, uh, the, the Sphinx or the 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 obelisks or the, the 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 pyramids themselves, and all the other huge structures and huge idols that they that they they made and and placed um, with the uh, you know thousands and thousands of people that worked on that on each thing mm-hmm. in Egypt. I mean, they had the manpower. They had you know, whatever technology or, you know, that's in question too, of what technology was used to do that. Um, but when you, you have this small remote Island with, you know, I don't know how big the, the, uh, the groups of people or the tribes that live there were, but, you know, with the resources that are on these islands, which wasn't a whole lot. And then they were able to do this with these, these huge, you know, how many tons each yes. statue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's a. It think, almost seems like too big of a task for what was there and who was there and the materials that they had to work with. You know, and as you said, Mike. You know, these it's being discovered that these aren't just you know carved heads. There are there are intact bodies connected to right. these heads under the ground. But the largest of these heads is like what thirty feet tall something mm, like that i mean sure. the head itself is gigantic right and, and it, if you think of the uh, uh you know the proportion of the body that would be underneath the ground yes you know the digging that they would have to do you know the erecting of this this statue and putting it you know into the the whatever they had to dig to put it down into <clears throat> um and why did they bury it why did they put so much work into the bodies only to bury it in the ground with only the heads sticking out. Mm. You know, it, it's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions. It's I'm, I just wanted to make sure that I had the numbers right here, but it has been suggested and is believed, <clears throat> widely believed, that the statues on Easter Island are at least 500 years old, which is very new right. when you think about it. That's exactly. Very, very, yeah, very they, new. They're, they're not ancient in, in any way. No, the consensus is that they were built sometime between 400 and 1500 AD. Mm-hmm. So they've been here. It, they're recent. They're very recent. It's, it's it, okay, it's beyond a mystery, but I want to get back to some of these these quotes here, Mike. In, in that short of time, relatively speaking. Right. You know, how how did they put so many out, move so many, carve so many, dig the holes for so many in that relatively short amount of time? Well, the book here suggests that, you know, talking about those, the heads, you know, we're not just seeing standing heads, but we're also seeing standing heads on top of bodies are buried under the soil. But it's suggesting here that these bodies aren't representing human beings, but perhaps more precisely representing standing gods, uh, mm-hmm. That's interesting. We're also discovering that there are inscriptions on the buried parts of the statues. These inscriptions are of interest because we are beginning to understand that these statues are not mute. Listen to this, Mike. That as well as walk, they could also talk. 
Um, if only we could read and understand, I'm going to butcher, butcher this, Ro, nope, I'm going to do it again, Ron Gorongo. I have mm. no idea if I pronounced that right or not. Ron Gorongo, the native language. language. Uh, the, the discovery of these inscriptions hopefully will project us once again into trying to understand the language of those native people from Easter Island. Now the question goes, why did the people of Easter Island erect, uh, erect these statues? Uh, the short answer is basically no. <laughs> and it seems that the native people are unwilling to share this information. But why did they have to go to such extremes, creating hundreds of these statues and placing them at very specific locations? Uh, that's a million-dollar question, Mike. I mean, yeah. they're, they're not really they're not willing to share the reason behind this. <laughs> they're not willing to share that. But why go to such extremes to do it and you're do it in the first place? But you don't want to talk about why you did it. Great. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know, man. Onward and upward. Again, I have to read a little, uh, a little bit from this book. It says here, we really are at a loss to explain how all of this worked in large part because when the European missionaries arrived on Easter Island, they were not interested in recording the legends of the native people. They basically, basically disregarded the locals, quickly converting them to Christianity and destroying all the writings and texts. As a result, much, if not all the information mm. was lost. And so we are therefore left with only fragments of Easter Island's history. Of course. By chance that they are set that they were sent there, Mike, and the uh, that the missionaries are sent there and destroyed all remnants of history. Is that by chance? Was that by reason? What? What? I, what's going on? Going on there? Uh, was it something that they had discovered and they feared? Because they didn't understand it, and so therefore they went and basically pillaged and converted, and um, uh, it was buried it, it in was history. Of the devil, it was not Christian. It was of the devil, and therefore had to be destroyed to save mankind. Mm -hmm. mm. Is it, Mike? Let's just riff back and forth here. Are they is is are the Easter Island statues in any relation to Stonehenge? In the idea that some people suggest that it's like a that Stonehenge is like a, a calendar, it's or a, a mm -hmm. communication beacon, a communication device that is supposedly not only on this Earth, but it's also on several other this Earth, not only on this mm -hmm. planet, but also on several other planets out there that has similar, supposedly similar uh, constructions on there is Easter Island one of those Mike and a very recent one less you know mm. maybe as early as 500 years ago what do you think about I that? don't know there's just such a different uh such a difference in design well yes yes of you course know, you know um, but but I mean we have different takes on designs you know of any number of things as well you know that serve the same purpose right so why not you know, maybe Easter Island and Stonehenge are of the same meaning, but just of a completely different. Sure. Meaning. Yeah, that's that's very possible. 
as you know, again, as the aforementioned Giza pyramids could be the most elaborate design of the same focus. Mm-hmm. But oh, sure, man, Mike, we need to do a, an episode on the on the pyramids, baby. Oh, absolutely. My brain's gonna hurt. My brain's gonna hurt after that one, though. I think. <laughs> yeah, we we are we're we're due for uh, a deep dive into something. I think so. And that so. could uh, that could be it. Um, well, one last take is what it is. It is called that because we're going to wrap it up, Mike. It's we we riff and we raff <laughs> and we banter back and forth. It's all about our opinions. It's all about uh, our thoughts. Wrap it up, Mike. Um, Easter Island. Do you think there's something extra special about this place? Is it connected to otherworldly intelligence, otherworldly and? In- technologies was it simply manufactured by the 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 human spirit the human strengths the human capabilities and we just don't understand why and so therefore conspiracy people like us even though we're not conspiracy no i'm no don't don't even label exactly in a joking way that we have anything to do with conspiracy very 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 true i'm gonna gonna mark that i'm gonna write that down (laughs) I'm about like 123 <laughs> or something because we'll get we'll get harassed for even jokingly saying that. But yeah. how an open-minded people like us would be, you know, we we think it's possible that it's related to something you know out there in the universe, Mike. I mean, well, just the fact that what they are and that they are there to begin with is an extremely special thing. Just that whatever technology was used to place every one of them and the short amount of time, relatively speaking, that it took um, suggests in my feeble mind <laughs> that that there that there is something more to it than than just, uh, you know, cut out of a quarry, shaped and moved into their spots and. I don't know. There's oh. so. Do you think the, what What are your thoughts on of it simply being a monument to whatever gods the, the natives were worshiping on that island? Well, you know, if that's a there is a point to that because, um, you know, I'm sure that they they had great reverence to their gods and probably you know meant everything to them and that's what they lived by um which would have made them uh take on this project and honoring their gods mm-hmm. but the immense uh, you know the stature of it is the stature of it is beyond is um, beyond anything like that i mean yeah. you know we haven't I, I didn't do enough research to know to find out how what how big these tribes were and how many people there were to do this labor mm. you know you know uh, something like that uh well let me but look. it's just it's just too immense to be something like as simple as a tribute you know i, I it, it's it's too huge well i'm going to do real quick mike because we we do have to wrap it up Mm-hmm. How many? Well, what was the? Tri- I'm going to type in the tribe population on Easter Island. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we'll do this very quickly because that's a that's a great question, and I think it needs to be um, answered to give a better understanding of that. And Mike keeps looking to his right as if there's something very very cool on his television, but uh, 
Well, while you were doing that, I was, well, Family Feud. Oh, my. Of course, Family Feud. (laughs) Uh, Mike, it says here that the Dutch named, whoops, the Dutch named the island Easter Island. But they, I'm not going to try and pronounce what they named it. It was P-A-A-S-E-I-L-A-N-D, Paz Island, Paz Island, uh, quote-unquote Easter Island, not quote-unquote, uh, also known as Easter Island, to commemorate the day they arrived in 1770, the Spanish Viceroy of Peru sent an expedition to the island, blah, 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 blah. and they therefore, at when they were sent there, they estimated the native population was about 3,000 people. So that was in 1770s or 1770. Going back to when take a few centuries previous to that, right? Um, yeah. So I guess I I didn't answer your question, but I mean, gave you a a decent estimate, I suppose. But I don't know. Hmm. Well, uh, Mike, one hot take. Just say it. Say it. One to ten, that's what we do. One to ten. One, it is simply a human man-made creation. Ten, otherworldly intervention or otherworldly made. Mm. What do you say? What say you? I will put a number on this of eight. Mm, That's pretty damn high, man. It is high. It's very high. But, you know, there, there is so much that we haven't covered, which I know we don't have time for. But, you know, the, the downfall of, of Easter Island, as far as the tribe not being there anymore, they, they, they just left. You know, now it's like a, a barren island with just a few people on it. But, you know, there's so much further that we could go with this. But uh, we did hit the gist of it and the mystery of it, of the, the statues themselves. So... Yep, and um, it, you know that's kind of the meaning of our one last take segment. We just kind of fly through stuff and give yeah. you give you the the nuts and bolts of it, and yeah. give you. Well, our, we can you know we can opinions. definitely uh, um, you know suggest to people that you know there's more to this story. So if oh one find this interesting, you know do some research on it, and and there's a lot more to it than than what we've covered. That's very interesting. So, Mike, you give it an, an eight out of ten. So you're you're strongly suggesting and you strongly believe that there is that the Easter Island statues are alien related. It, it's just more to it than than um, the human hand. Yes, man, this one this one is tough tough for me. I'm just going to go with my gut, Mike. I'm saying ten out of ten. I'm I'm outdoing you on this one. Um, oh, that's awesome. I, I, yeah. I just I think that there's too much to it, and like I said, yeah, there's way too much we, to it. We love our one last take segment, but you know, a lot of times, um, we we just don't have time to do a deep dive into it right. the way we'd like to. Mm-hmm. I'd have to say ten out of ten, man. It just seems too special, too unique to me. To, to be oh, sim- I'm proud of you to be a simple human endeavor <laughs> it just really does to me it, so. it is it's it very much so well cool yeah. I owe, I did you I'm I'm kind of I'm kind yeah. of blown away by that that's you, pretty cool do you care to change your answer now <laughs> yeah 10 out of 10 <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> all right perfect well Mike um this has been a blast man thank you so much uh absolutely hour and a half on the nose right now so I think this is a perfect time to wrap it mm-hmm. up um 
before we let you go, if you've lasted this far and you enjoy the podcast, uh, we encourage you and we'd love to see you at our Patreon page. Uh, we, we, if you love to support things that you love, <laughs> as little as a dollar, you can sign up for awesome content. I am posting all of our old interviews of paranormal celebrities on our Patreon page because they are no longer available anywhere else, no longer available on YouTube or any streaming devices that you utilize. You can only find them on Patreon, our Patreon page. And I'm talking yep. about Jason Hawes, Andrea Perrin, Amy Allen, Chip Coffee, Adam Berry, Amy Bruni, Steve Gonzalez, Grant Wilson, all those guys up and down the line, and several more to come. Mm-hmm. Plus, all of our exclusive episodes, our creature features, our ghost hunting videos, our ghost hunting audio clips. So much cool stuff, Mike. Lots of fun stuff. Man, it just keeps growing and growing, and we'd love to see you there. As little as a dollar a month, um, give us a shot. We'd love to see you. Mike, give us a shot and let us know. Let us what know what you think. What you think and how to improve it, man? Because mm-hmm. trust us, um, we appreciate yeah, we do this for for you guys. That we do, we guys do. and gals. We do, and we appreciate the support because it's it it's a passion of ours. And we the more the Patreon family grows, the better it's going to be. That's as simple yeah, as it goes. The more the Patreon, the more the more the listeners, everything. And you know what? The more Patreon is good. Growth is good. The more patrons that we get, guess what? The, the more, more money we make. <laughs> Shut up, man. <laughs> the, that's true. That's true. Um, but the more awesome content we'll be able to get Absolutely. out there. And we're talking shirts and hoodies and mugs and all that good stuff. I, mean, I know it was a while ago that we talked about that, but that is still that still on the list. It's still on the list. And we're not we're not joking. We're not being flippant when we say that because um well, it's just not financially feasible right now at this moment. But uh, yeah. hey, who cares? Mike, thank you so much, my friend. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you have a good night. Until next time, what do our listeners need to do? You just got to remember, it was the typhus. Or no, I mean, no. I mean, <laughs> peace out. 